You're listening to the sermon podcast from Victory Baptist Church. At Victory, we work to show God's love and share His truth as we love and serve the Lord Jesus Christ together. And now, here's this week's sermon from Pastor Terry Green. Have you ever had a time in your life when you looked back and thought, Oh, if I only knew then what I know now. Any of you ever experienced that? If you young people haven't yet, it's coming. Okay. Now, if you knew in 1997, how many of you were an adult in 1997? Raise your hands. All right. If you knew in 1997 that an investment of $1,000 in Amazon stock at their IPO would turn to be worth more than $1.5 million today, how many of you would have invested that stock? You would have borrowed the money to buy that stock. You didn't know. If you only knew how things would turn out, you maybe would have been a little less reckless back then, or maybe you would have taken a little bit more risk back then, but you didn't know. Maybe you would have shown a little more kindness. When I was in middle school, I was really small. And uh, a very small, lighter, Anna's the size I was when I was in middle school. And, uh, and I uh, got stuffed in a wall locker by this guy. He, he was five foot eight, you know, and in middle school, I mean, that's a giant, right? That's a really big guy. And, he, and we had wall lockers. They don't have them in schools anymore now, but, but we had them then. And he stuffed me in one and shut it and locked it. And I beat on the door of it till the janitor came and let me out. And he got suspended from school for a couple days, which didn't bother him at all. But um, then when I got out of the Marine Corps, and I was at that time six foot two and over 200 pounds, I ran into him, and he was still 5'8 and 140. <laughs> he, he said, man, if I'd known you'd end up so big, I'd have been a lot nicer to you back then. And I said, yeah, and I'm a Marine. I know how to hurt people. <laughs> but I also said I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior. He changed my life. But, you know, if he had known back then that that little squirt that he was stuffing in a wall locker would end up being substantially bigger and stronger than him, he would have been nicer back then. And you maybe would have behaved differently if you had only known. You had no idea. But see, that's the beauty of our message today. Jesus tells us how it ends. He gives us the long view so we can look and we can see, oh, yeah. That's why I do this today, because I know what's coming. And we don't know that about everything in life, but we know that about this. And so the title of the message this morning is Victory for Life Forever. And we're going to be looking in John 14. And Jesus is giving us a little snapshot, just a little glimmer. <clears throat> and then not only does he show us a little bit of the future, but then he also speaks to our lives today and how that should impact us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to be in your house, 
to gather with our brothers and sisters in Christ, to gather with friends we've known for years and folks we just met today. What a blessing it is that you make us part of this great, big, beautiful family of God. We ask that you would speak into our hearts, encourage us and challenge us, and help us to see the truth of your word. Help us to see beyond the circumstances of our daily lives and help us to understand your wonderful, majestic hope that you have placed into our daily lives. May we long for heaven just a little bit more because we were here thinking about you. In Jesus' name, amen. John 14, verse number one says, Let not your heart be troubled. That's instruction from God. You're in charge of your heart. Don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. How many of you lived in a large family and you didn't really have much room on your own? Like I never had my own room except for six months in the Marine Corps. And then I enjoyed not having my own room after that because we got married. But for most of my young life, my two brothers and I shared the same room, all three of us in one room, and then two of us. And then when my older brother finally moved out, mom moved my younger brother in. I was really bummed. But you're going to have a place that's yours. What will it look like? I don't know. I'm pretty sure George's place will not have cats <laughs> in heaven. I don't know. If there's any cats in heaven, I want them to be tigers. Okay. <laughs> so look, I go and prepare a place for you. I will come again and receive you to myself. How many of you have ever had somebody make a promise to you and they left you hanging? Anybody? You know, how many of you remember, uh, oh, now I can't think of her name, uh, Marvin's mom, um, Jean Johnson. Jean Johnson, I promised her I would pick her up at the airport once. I forgot. She was sitting with her luggage. She was waiting. She finally called somebody else to, who drove up there and picked her up. So she was at the airport for a very long time. And then I got the message. I don't remember where I was, but I got the message that Jean was at the airport waiting for me. Oh, no! And, and so I finally found out where she was. She was here in town at a restaurant. They went out to eat, and so I snuck in and paid for their dinner, and that was just a little bit that I could do. But I left her stranded at the airport. She never dreamed that I would do that, but I did. And I even confessed it at her memorial service that I left her stranded. God will never leave you stranded. I go to prepare a place for you, and I will come back for you. Pastors can let you down. Parents can let you down. Friends can let you down. The Lord will not. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. And Thomas said to him, Lord, 
We do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? Hadn't been listening. Jesus had been giving him clues all along. And so now Jesus says to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I want you to mark that spot in Scripture. We're going to look at a couple others in just a moment. And so mark that, and then if you can, turn in your Bible to Proverbs 3, and we'll read a couple of Scriptures there, and then we're going to look at a couple other passages as well. See, the first thing that we're going to see here is the Lord said, let not your heart be troubled. Your heart needs direction. Is this... It's this mic? Okay. Do you want to switch it with the other mic? All right. We're, uh, the Lord said, let not your heart be troubled. Now, how many of you have ever felt anxious about anything since you became a Christian? You know, you're not supposed to do that. The Lord said, let not your heart be troubled. Now, because he told you that, now you feel better, right? Let not your heart, okay, all your anxiety is gone, right? Isn't it kind of like telling a teenage boy, don't be hungry? <laughs> you know, if I felt like I could overcome my anxiety, then I wouldn't have anxiety. So, but I have it. But you, your heart needs direction. Can you pop that slide up? We got a little out of sync. Your heart needs direction. You, you, let's look at Proverbs chapter 3, okay? Proverbs 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your paths. Now what does it mean? In all your ways, acknowledge him. Well, let's just take a look at Mr. Ricosi here. Okay? Is it all right for us to pick on him, Cloyd? Is that, okay. No. So, so Jim is a father. His daughter's sitting a couple of chairs away from him. He's a grandpa. He's got a granddaughter sitting right with him. He's a great-grandpa. Well, do you think he's a great-grandpa? So he's a great-grandpa and a great-grandpa. And, and then he's our song leader, and he's retired now, and he uh, does mechanical work, fixing all kinds of things. There's lots of different aspects to his life. In fact, he lives in Casa Grande and has a little cabin up in Sholo. And he goes back and forth sometimes, mostly in the summer. He doesn't like to go fishing when the lake's frozen over. I don't understand that. But See, you have ways. You're not just you. You are you doing this, and you doing that, and you doing this, and you doing that. And some of you got, have all kinds of different aspects to your life. So when he says in verse 4, in all your ways, in every aspect, every relationship, every activity of your life, 
Acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. So what does it mean to acknowledge him? Have you ever been driving down the road? You're just cruising along. You, you maybe haven't set the cruise. Or you're just, just riding along, try, and, and you see a cop up there. What do you do when you see a cop? Most people, they at least look at the speed speedometer. A lot of people just immediately slow down. And you just, it's a, why? You acknowledge, there's a cop there, I got to make sure. You know, I think I got my cruise control set for the right amount, but I better make sure before I, you know, I see him, he may not see me yet. So you're acknowledging his presence by double checking what you're doing. That's what we're talking about in Proverbs 3. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He's the Lord of Jim the song leader. He's the Lord of Jim the grandpa. He's the Lord of Jim the husband. He's the Lord of Jim the Jim dude, you know. He's the Lord of every aspect of your life. Acknowledge that. Be aware of that. Bring his presence into this discussion of what you're going to do in this aspect of your life. We all have struggles and we all have fun. We need to bring the Lord into both every day. Now look at chapter 4 and verse 23, Proverbs 4, 23. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Keep your heart. This is your responsibility. Now, admittedly, when you're a young kid, your parents help try and guide your heart. They steer you away from bad things. When you're very young, a little toddler, they like take away the thing you're not supposed to be playing with and then try and distract you with something else. When you get a little older, then there's discipline and consequences and, and things that go in. And, and when you're a teenager and you have your driver's license and you have a difficulty, quite often the parents hold out their hand and they want you to put your license in there or your keys in there or both, right? And then you're not allowed to drive for a while. There's consequence. So, so here he's saying in verse 20, keep your heart. You are responsible for your own heart. At some point, you have to take responsibility for who you are and what you do and what you allow to go on inside you. You have to take that responsibility. Eventually, you could be on your own. And you need to be accountable to God. Your heart needs direction. Now, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 6. And this is going to be a little bit redundant, but it's very important for us to see this is God's Word. This is not just fun facts from Terry Green. This is the Word of God. Matthew chapter 6, look in verse 21. Read it with me. Wait, you're all there? Ready? Matthew 6, 21. Read it with me. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. All right, now turn to Luke chapter 12 and verse 34. We'll do the same thing. Luke 12, 34. 
Remember, the Holy Spirit of God superintended the process of putting the scriptures together. So even though Matthew wrote Matthew and Luke wrote Luke, the Holy Spirit was inspiring them and encouraging them in what to write. Luke 6, 30, I'm sorry, Luke 12, 34. You guys there? Let's read it together again. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. All right, now, let's go back to John 14. I said your heart needs direction. Where your treasure is, your heart will be. You're responsible for your heart. Guard your heart. Acknowledge God in every part of your life. Yield your heart to Him. So your heart chases after treasure. So what you need to do is treasure the right things. I shared this a couple of weeks ago that that I have heard uh, several guys, a couple of Christian guys, and, and other guys say, well, they just fell out of love with their wife and fell in love with somebody else. Right Now, if you're a believer and you're accountable to God, then, again, there are times when getting a divorce is the right thing because of somebody's actions, and, and, and I understand that. But if you're married and there isn't a biblical reason for divorce and, and you're in a relationship and it's just not as good as you want it to be, I'm not going to make you raise hands if that's you, okay? It's not as good as you want it to be. What should you do to make it better? Treasure the marriage. Treasure the relationship. Treasure the spouse. And once you treasure, guess what happens? Your heart comes following. When you start cherishing. Now, God designed your heart to engage in the things that you pursue, but he wants it to be the right thing. He wants you to put your whole heart into it. I love watching sports because some you just see they are playing beyond themselves. You see a guy, he limps back to the huddle in football, and then he takes off running for the next play. Was he just being dramatic, going, no, he's hurting. And afterward, he's going to be in a hot tub, whirlpool, you know, salt bath, just trying to make things better because he hurt so bad because he put it all out there on the field. God wants you to put it out there in your life. And your heart needs direction. Don't let your heart be anxious or troubled. You can direct your heart. Now, let's tie this into verse 6. Jesus said in verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Your heart needs direction. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the way. When you follow him, he will provide the direction your heart needs. So follow him, you'll be a better dad. Follow him, you'll invest more wisely. Follow him, your vision will be clearer. Your values will be clearer. Follow him and your attitude will improve. Follow him and church becomes more joyful. Follow him and your neighbors may enjoy having you next door. 
Follow him, your job becomes easier and more rewarding. When you follow him, the other drivers on the road enjoy having you be out there. They're not swerving to get away from you. Follow him and you'll provide for your family and give generously to his work and he will bless and enrich your life. Follow him and you will learn his word and your heart will follow the path that it needs to follow. Everybody's trying, I, not everybody, but there are a lot of people out there who are trying to find themselves. In fact, uh, there was a, a couple I knew, they were very active in one of our sister churches, and they were super involved in the ministry and, and seemed to have a great relationship. And, and then I heard from the husband that she was gone. I said, what happened? He said, she said she needed to go find herself. And she just disappeared, left her husband, her kids, her church, her family at home and her family. She just walked away to go find herself. Well, Jesus is the way. If you're trying to find yourself in any other way, you're going the wrong way. You need to follow him and cherish him and try to bring him into your daily life. Your heart needs direction. You be responsible. Don't let your heart be troubled. You focus on God. Secondly, you, your mind needs to trust. Your mind needs to trust. Look at that little kid in that picture. Does he look scared? Not at all. Not at all. What, what do you think that Ben's face would look like? if some great big guy grabbed Ben and swung him up in the air like that? Do you think Ben would be there going, like that kid is? I don't think so. As calm as Ben is, he might say, what's going on, man? Put me down. You know? If it were me, I'd be screaming. <laughs> but he's got a big smile on his face, and eye contact with probably his dad. That's what the picture looks like. Your mind needs to trust. So Jesus said, don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Now, uh, commentators remind us this is not a transfer of trust. You believe in God, therefore believe in me from one to another. But it's the concentration of trust in one. Let me explain it this way. So it's not like me saying, you can trust me so you can trust my wife because we're separate people. I know in marriage we're one, but, but we're also separate. We don't walk around one body, two heads. <laughs> I get a little distracted by that imagery, but, <laughs> but, but, but we're two people, but we're one in, in our marriage. But she's a different person than I am. But God the Father and God the Son are one God. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one God. And so Jesus says, you trust me, God the Son, you trust the Father, God the Father, because we're one. Not because he's really close to me and we share a lot of values and, and our hearts are similar, but we are the same. 
We're one. And so Jesus said, you can trust God and me because we're both God, Father and Son. God the Father and God the Son. And then in verse 7, Jesus said, if you'd known me, you would have known my Father also. Jesus demonstrated the Father to them. So your mind needs to trust. Your mind looks for that. Your, your brain seeks that. The mental capacity you have looks for that. And so what does Jesus say? I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the truth. When you believe in him, your mind is anchored in absolute truth. When you reject him, you live without truth. Everything he said, everything he did, everything he taught, everything he prayed, truth. He is the truth. Even the hope of heaven, it's true. It's not make-believe. It's not some pie in the sky by and by. It's reality. It's the truth. Heaven is a real place, and those who trust and follow Jesus will join him there someday. We don't know when that day is. God already knows. We already have an appointment to meet him face to face. We just don't know when it's going to be yet. It'd be great if it was today on one condition only. He calls us all up together in the rapture. If it's not the rapture, then I hope it's not today. I am the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus said. So you can believe in the Father and believe in the Son. A third thing is your spirit needs abundant life. Your spirit longs for that. Your spirit longs for joyous celebration and special moments. And, and so before salvation, the Bible says you're spiritually dead. You don't feel dead. You can walk and talk and think and move but you're spiritually dead. There's an emptiness inside you spiritually. And then when you trust and believe in Jesus Christ, you receive the gift of spiritual life. Eternal life is a gift from God. By grace, we are saved through faith. And not of works, it's a gift of God. Not of works. We can't boast about it. We receive a gift. You can't brag about how special you are because you got a gift. You can just rejoice in the gift. And when you trust and believe in Jesus, you receive that gift of eternal life. Your spirit needs abundant life. There's something inside of us that clamors for something that's bigger than we are. And Jesus is the life. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life, Jesus said. Jesus is the life. Before Christ, you are spiritually dead, but in Christ, you are made alive. You are quickened together with him. In Christ, you not only live and breathe and have your being, but you also have abundant life. John 10.10, Jesus said, I am come that they might have life, and they might have it more abundantly. 
So you have greater love, more amazing hope, deeper joy, a fuller faith. Does it mean that every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before? No, it doesn't. It means some days hurt a lot more than others. But with Jesus, you have a hope that's bigger than your hurt. With Jesus, he's with you. Some of you have watched kids die, grandkids die, and and spouses die, and it hurts. But in Christ, there's a joy that transcends the hurts of this life. You, You know that there's more coming. This is not your best life. Your best life is when you're with him. And Jesus, in him we have life more abundantly, and in him we have hope. Hope that this will get better. Someday we'll be beyond the aches and pains of this life. Do you realize that most of the people you see every day don't live with hope? Most of the people don't have much hope. They hope to survive the day. But we have Christ. And the scripture calls it Christ in you, the hope of glory. That your your spirit inside you, it longs to be connected to something bigger than you are. And that's why some people, they become sports fanatics. They just go all out because they want to be part of something bigger than they are. Other people, they're really into organizations. And and they're really committed to this group or that group. And some people just really devote themselves to their craft or their hobby. and, And they're all about that. But what we really need is spiritual life in Jesus. And we can only get it when we trust Jesus Christ. And when you receive him as your savior, then you begin the process of abundant life. The day you got saved, some of you were saved quite young, and you might not remember the exact moment when you trusted Christ. Those of you that do remember that moment, you remember that feeling that, oh, my sins are forgiven. I have life and and a fresh chance. And then sometimes we get busy and we get discouraged and we need to spend a little bit more time reading the scriptures and a little bit more time listening to the Holy Spirit and a lot more time rejoicing in what Jesus has done and will do in our lives. Because this is the fullness. Life is found in Him. So the truth is that you need Jesus right now, not just on the day you die. You need him right now. And for one thing, you don't know when the day is you'll die. I had a weird idea when I was a teenager. When I first felt like maybe I should trust the Lord, and I said, you know what, I want to have fun while I'm young. 
And when I get to be an old guy like my dad, who was at that time was way younger than I am now, but when I got to be an old man like my dad, then I would trust Christ maybe. But I wanted to have my fun now. You know, I have preached funerals for three-year-olds and teenagers, 20-somethings, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, and 90. I've preached funerals for everybody in every decade of life. You don't know when your end will come. And you need Christ desperately before that day comes. You need Jesus. On the day your life ends, it will only be your personal relationship with Jesus Christ that will allow you into heaven. What was it Jesus said in verse 6? How do you get to the Father? No one gets to the Father but by me. Only through Christ. And so you'll desperately need Jesus on that last day of your life. As you're dying, you desperately need Him. Because there's only two choices, the Scripture says. You believe and trust in Jesus when this life ends. You go to be with Him in glory in heaven. With Jesus, heaven and glory. Without Jesus, separation from God and suffering in hell. But you also need Jesus today. Because Jesus is the one who gives you the strength. You need his truth to guide your decisions. You need his heart to touch your soul. You need his hope to fill you. You need his presence in the person and work of the Holy Spirit. Colossians 2, 9 and 10 teach that Jesus Christ is the fullness of the Godhead bodily. So he's the fullness of God. And then it also says you're complete in him. So he is the fullness of God and the fullness of humanity in one. Jesus, the God-man, the fullness of life is found only in Jesus. So, what could you do to make Jesus be more important to your life in your life this week? What could you do? Well, I have a list of a few things that I think about. What could you do to make Jesus be more important? This is not an, in, it doesn't include everything you could do. It's not an exclusive list. You don't have to say, oh man, I need to write down Pastor Terry's list because it's really inspired. No, this is inspired. This is only inspired when it follows this. We follow God. But here's some things you can do, all right? The first thing you can do is when you start to worry, remember his instruction and choose to trust him. How many of you plan to spend some time worrying this week? <laughs> A couple of weirdos raised their hands. <laughs> no, no, the truth is, you don't plan on it, it just happens, right? But when it happens, you can make a pre-planned decision, when this happens, I'm going to do this. How many of you ever practice fire drills? Home fire drills, do you guys do that? Really, you don't? Oh, we taught our kids, you know, how to kick out the screen, which window to go out if there was a fire in the house, what to do. You know, you don't want to break in the window. You want them to know how to get out. And so we practice. I taught my kids how to jump off a roof. You never know when you're going to be on the second story when the fire comes out, and you got to know how to hit the ground. 
they were disappointed that I didn't teach their mother how to jump off a roof. She was disappointed that, oh well, anyway. My kids got it down, I tell you, they could do it. But, but when you start to worry, just automatically think, you know? You're driving your car, you think, all right, if the car in front of me suddenly slams on their brakes, I'm going to brake. I'm not going to swerve till I know what's on either side and behind. You always look before you swerve. At least you're supposed to. Okay, It's bad news if you don't. And so I'm, I'm going to watch. I'm going to keep a distance in front of me so that I can have time to stop if they suddenly stop. You think about, well, if this happens at work, you're, you're a salesperson, and you're thinking, well, if this person has this argument, then I'm going to think about this, if this, then I'm ready for that. Peter said, uh, you're supposed to think of an answer for your faith to the, the hope in Christ that you have to those who ask questions, be able to answer them. And, and so when you start to worry, remember this, just build this in, all right? Maybe write this verse down. When I start to worry, I think about Jesus and I focus on him. Will it take all your worries away? No. Will it help? Yes. When you start to worry, remember his instruction and focus and choose to trust him. Secondly, talk to him in prayer as you pray to the Father in his name. You can pray to the Father and then talk to Jesus in your prayer. You can think about Jesus as you're praying. By the way, when you're praying in his name, you know, that doesn't just mean you tack that on at the end of your prayer. Oh, I pray, 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 and now at the end, oh, in Jesus' name. Therefore, I've met, no. When you pray in his name, you're thinking about him. You're praying under the umbrella of Jesus' authority. So you are entering into a dialogue with the Father in the name of Jesus, under his authority, and and so you're speaking, and you, you can talk to Jesus then. You can ask him questions. Occasionally, the Holy Spirit may actually give you an answer. Kathy and I were looking for a new car, well, a new used car. Um, our, our van was old and uh, not, not running very well, and so we, we really planned a day, and so we went up. Our plan was to look at a couple of different dealerships and, and look at several different cars, and, and we looked at a couple, and then we went to lunch, you know, real spiritual lunch, in and out, some good fries. And, and, uh, and, and then we went back to, uh, to another dealership. And w but while we were at lunch, we just prayed, Lord, give us wisdom. We, we want to make the best decision that we can. And then an opportunity to open up, and it was a little bit more than what we wanted to pay, but it was a lot more a car than we thought we would be able to get. And, and we, we prayed about it, and then we made the decision. As we prayed about it and asked God for wisdom, God didn't speak from heaven and say, Terry and Kathy, buy the Subaru. That's what we bought. But he didn't speak it that way. But we prayed for wisdom and we tried to do what was right. And so talk to him and talk to the Father in his name. Thirdly, read the scriptures accurately and learn God's ways. Read them accurately. There's a lot of people that read into the scripture what's not really there. Or they read the scriptures differently. In fact, some scripture is hard to understand. Uh, when Peter was writing 2 Peter, he said, some of the writings of Paul are difficult to understand. 
But, but he said only the foolish and unstable rest with it. They, you just focus on it. You learn. You grow. You study. You get better at it. And sometimes God seems harsh in his judgment. I've been reading through, uh, finished reading through the Pentateuch this week. And some of the judgments of God seem a little bit harsh. But you've got to remember, God knows the hearts of people. He knows the evil they're going to bring if they live. And sometimes God seems amazingly gracious and merciful. As you read the Old Testament, the scriptures are pointing toward the Messiah. And then you read in the Gospels, you read about Jesus, the Messiah in the flesh. Messiah is the Old Testament word. Christ is the New Testament word. The Hebrew word, the Greek word, they focus on the same thing, the anointed one of God. And, and then you read, once you get past the Gospels, now you're, you're reading the epistles, the letters, and they're right back to the Christ and telling us how to walk in his way and follow him. Jesus is the central person in all of Scripture. And if you read Scripture without that understanding, you're going to misread Scripture. So learn to read it accurately. You say, well, how do I do that? Interesting that you would ask. We have a great Bible class time at 9.30 every Sunday morning that teach you how to read the Bible and what to learn and how to follow it. And we have great teachers in all of our classes. Number four, listen to the Holy Spirit who always, always, always leads you to worship, exalt, and follow Jesus Christ. John 15, 26, the Holy Spirit will testify of Jesus John 16, 14, Jesus said, he will glorify me. Jesus saying the Holy Spirit would glorify him. The Holy Spirit empowers you to speak and serve in Jesus' name. And we read that all through the letters in the New Testament. So listen to the Holy Spirit. He's communicating with you. Pay attention. How many of you, as a parent, ever said something to your kid and you could see on their face they weren't tuning in? Everybody, anybody experience that? Yeah, yeah. My parents did too. My brothers, of course. <laughs> right, so listen to the Holy Spirit. Pray and seek. And then oh, when you face a decision, ask yourself, what would Jesus want me to do? There used to be a big thing, you know, WWJD, shirts and hats and bracelets. Okay, don't ask, what would Jesus do? Okay, when Kathy and I were looking for a car, we didn't ask, what would Jesus do? Jesus walks. Okay? We really don't want to walk all the time, every day, everywhere. Especially not from here to Flagstaff to see a bunch of grandkids. Uh, so what would Jesus do? Is irrelevant. Jesus wasn't here. But what would Jesus want you to do? Now that's something we can think about and process and take principles from his life and put it into ours. So... Think first and think spiritually. Don't just act, think and pray. And make sure your answer to that question is consistent with Scripture. I told this before years ago when my study was over here before we built the other building and opened this up and all. And, and uh, Joe Rubio was an intern with us. He's a pastor now in, in uh, California. And, and Joe was in here with me and a young lady came in to meet with me. And she was unhappy in her marriage and wanted a divorce. And she came here to have me say, oh, that's great. Jesus wants you to be happy. Go get a divorce. Her husband was not cheating on her. He was not abusing her. He was not violent. He was, by her definition, 
a little boring. And so she wanted a new God. And so I shared from Scripture how she should address the issue. And she chose to ignore it. So you can follow your heart, but your heart can lead you astray, Jeremiah says. So you need to make sure you're following Scripture. When you face a decision, ask what would the Lord do, then make sure your answer is consistent with Scripture. And then a minister to someone in Jesus' name. You can show his love, share his truth, minister to somebody in Jesus' name. Just do something to help somebody else. Uh, you want to encourage your heart to follow the Lord? Jesus of Nazareth went about doing good. That's what the scripture says. So help people, minister to people, encourage people. It will help you follow Jesus. And one last idea, you can show love to him by obeying his instruction. John, 15, uh, John 14, 15, Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you love him, keep his commandments. So you can show your love for Jesus simply by following what he told you to do in Scripture. Okay? Victory for life forever. It's not just, hey, hang in there, endure, and hey, buddy, someday heaven! Woo -woo. No. You can have the Lord in your life right now. Jesus cares about more than getting you into heaven. He wants to bless and enrich your life day by day on Will it always be glorious? No. Even Jesus had some really difficult days. It won't all be glorious. But when you walk with the Lord, it will be better. On the best and worst days of your life, he'll be with you. Victory for life forever. You don't have to go it alone. He wants to be with you. For more information about Victory Baptist Church or trusting Christ as your Savior and following Him, please visit our website at victoryarizona.org or send an email to victory at victoryarizona.org.